Hello and welcome to Critical Line Item. My name's Tom Rablick and thank you for joining me for this podcast. It's great to have you on board. Today we're doing the uh, the regular weekly tax segment with Lisa Gregg, tax trainer, tax accountant, tax agent extraordinaire. But we're going to change pace today. We're going to look at something you need to think about as you begin to prepare the documents you must have for doing your tax for the 2019-2020 financial year, where this podcast is recorded on the 21st of May 2020, and you've got to start thinking about what you need to do to be able to put your tax return together properly. Now, Lisa, welcome to podcast number three. Thank you, Tom. Thanks for having me. And uh, not a problem. Uh, now, uh, we are talking what what techos and tax nerds call substantiation. In basic terms, for the audience out there, substantiation means proving that you have spent money on something to the tax authorities. That's right, Tom. Some some sort of tangible document. It can be third party, it can be self-generated, but it's just got to basically justify why you should be entitled to the deduction. Okay. So, in essence, this is back in the work-related expenses space. So, whatever you do, aside from some cases we might touch on in the next little while as examples, but whatever you do for an income... Um, you get you'll get taxed upon, assuming that you, you're not earning something below the tax threshold. Uh, so your amount that you're taxed on plus expenses will equal essentially your uh, taxable income ultimately, won't it? Yeah, that's exactly right, Tom. But let's just let's just go back and, and look at what we're talking about here. So um, there's sort of three things you need to consider even before we get to the substantiation, as we call it, the documentation, which is um, you've got to uh, have, uh, have spent the money on something related to earning your income um, and you can't have been reimbursed for it. And then once all that sort of all those things line up, uh, you can uh, you then need to have some sort of documentation or um, reality check that it all makes sense that you're taking that deduction. And remember, it's not just for work-related deductions. It can be for donations. It could be um, investment income. So you might have incurred some sort of subscription uh, from a stockbroking firm or something like that or um, other sort of uh, online materials uh, where it's you're trying to invest money to earn money so that it'd be a valid sort of deduction as well. So it comes in all different shapes and forms. Okay. So in, in essence, just to just to briefly recap, um, anything you claim as a deduction or you you assert should be accepted by the ATO as to, as a deduction must be related to the work you do. Yeah, or the income you produce. Yeah. yeah so that could be from personal exertion, like salary and wages, like doing your job, or it could be yep. investment income, or we've got a few little special ones like donations to charities and DGRs like we spoke about last episode. Okay. Now, 
in terms of documentation, say we, we spend something on and a stationary item, uh, what is valid documentation in that context? Is it the is it your receipt from uh, Office Works? Is it your credit card statement that has the amount you spent at Office Works, uh, or can it be both? Oh, it can be probably either is probably the right answer, Tom. Uh, for the small little items like you go and buy a Sharpie or something, well, you start using jargon names now. Um, so that we use, you buy a pen or something from Office Works, and uh, it's a small amount. Credit card statement, the ATO have said that's okay for substantiation. So you've got to prove, you've got to somehow prove that you've spent the money, as they say. So how do you prove you've spent the money? Even for small items, you've got some sort of record on it. And most of the time now, we're not spending cash, especially in the COVID world. We're doing a lot of tapping. So there's usually an audit trail. So if the audit trail is so easy to get, like just checking a credit card statement um, or uh, receiving a receipt, uh, that's probably the best way of doing it. And it's quite easy now if you get a receipt um, it can get emailed to you, or if you get a hard copy receipt, uh, the ATO have got this nice little app called My Deductions that you can download, um, and it'll just take a photo of the receipt to just store it for you. But you can take a photo of the receipt as well, because you know how if you get it on that, that paper, sometimes it fades. So you need to uh, yep. keep those receipts. Now, you mentioned the ATO app, mm-hmm. uh, and people can get that from... Uh, the app store on their iPhone or in Google Play? Yeah, I pretty much think so. I haven't downloaded it myself because I use um, other things for running my business. But, uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much – it's it's definitely available. If you just Google ATO, my deductions, you'll be able to download that, that app. Um, it can't import into any sort of software, unfortunately, but at least then it's just one bucket or one uh, record, one central location to keep all your receipts for the year. And it's just a good idea too. Otherwise, just – basically keep your credit card statements. That's enough for those little consumable items. Where, uh, what, what, sorry. What do you, yeah, sorry. Um, what do you see from clients, Lisa, in terms of that kind of practice? Do they use the ATO app or do they use other things? Most of them have the, uh, the uh, receipts emailed to them if it's um, an item that isn't reimbursed by their employer. Uh, and then they just keep that as a folder and they will give me, if they're good clients, they'll give me a summary of the, uh, an Excel spreadsheet of, of all the deductions they're claiming and with a note saying, I've got the receipt, I've got the receipt, got the receipt. And usually I take that as being an asked and answered type thing uh, because I have a good relationship with my clients and I know that they're, 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 they're bona fide. Um, and other, I've got another client that's got actually a rental property where every time they make a payment of water rates or something like that, they just email it to me and I keep it for them because it's easy for me to do it in, you know, a two-minute um, putting it into their electronic file with me than asking them for a whole heap of things at tax time and then they have to run around and find them again. Okay, so there are people who will um, do the shoebox thing perhaps and then others who will just engage with you on a regular basis and just ask you to take care of the PDF or whatever that they've sent you so that come tax time, uh, you've got much of the documentation you need to help them with their return. Yeah, exactly. Um, What are the more complex areas when it comes to 
substantiation for deduction purposes? Oh, there's a, there's a lot of little quirks in our tax system, which I'm sure you can appreciate, Tom. Um, so we're talking about receipts here for substantiation. But substantiation is more than that. It's not just receipts. It's also um, diaries or logbooks. So if you look at two of the big claims that a lot of individuals make at this tax time, they'll be looking at making claims for travelling for work purposes. Uh, and for that, uh, you do not um, need to substantiate, if I call it that, um, if you travel less than 5,000 kilometres. You don't any, need any receipts for it. However, the ATO say that you still need to prove that you've done it. So then if you still need to prove that you've done it, you sort of do have to still create some sort of logbook or Excel spreadsheet or diary entry to say, um, I was at work and I had to go and visit a client um, and it was a 20-kilometre round trip. Can I claim that? And it wasn't reimbursed. So it's one of those strange ones, this $5,000, 5,000-kilometre uh, $5, amount, because you don't need any receipts or logbook to justify it, but you still have to say, well, does that make sense? You know, if you're basically an office-bound employee, are you really going to do 5,000 business-related kilometres that aren't reimbursed? And that's where the reality check comes into place. So that's one of them. The second one where it's, it's still along the lines of, of keeping a diary is that we're talking now all working from home. We, we can claim some work from home um, hourly deductions. You then need to keep a diary or a logbook of a 12-week period of how you actually worked from home. I started at nine, I finished at five, and off we go from there. So that's sort of the substantiation that you do need to um, keep to satisfy um, any of the ATO substantiation requirements. When we uh, look at donations, which is probably worthwhile touching on again, I know we touched on it last time, mm -hmm. but uh, there may be people who didn't hear the previous episode, so it might be worth just touching on donations again. We meant, There's something called... Uh, the sort of donations bucket deduction, isn't there? Yeah, exactly. Um, so the ATO have basically said that you need to keep a receipt for donations that are deductible over two dollars. And you know, if someone goes comes knocking at your door and says, um, you know, if you got any money for whatever charity it is, you give them five or ten dollars out of your wallet, and they give you a receipt, and that's all bona fide. However, if you're driving along the street and you stop at the lights and there's the SES with their buckets out saying, have you got any change or anything like that that you throw into it? Of course, you know, for example, SES is a deductible gift recipient charity. Um, you can claim a deduction for it, but you've got no receipt. So what do you do? So the ATO have said, we'll give you liberty of a $10 amount, which is the what we call the bucket donation amount. So we've basically said you've been accosted by um, bucket wielding charities um, up to the value of ten dollars throughout well, the year. Well, it's usually a koala at the uh, at the you know lights, isn't it? Koala, I'm saying koalas. I only see people in orange uniforms usually, or sometimes. So we we missed the Good Friday appeal this year, didn't we? Because of COVID, which was quite sad in Melbourne town. Um, and I think there's oh, we're lifesavers we get as well, don't we? Down here, we basically get accosted by by yeah. young young bronzed. Um, Attractive Australians wielding wielding things, um, asking for donations for their for their surf life saving. 
charity. Yeah, so yeah. I, I stop and usually give them whatever I've got. Usually it's the, the $1 coins that I keep in my car for my shopping trolley. So that's usually where they go. Well, yeah, that, that's the kind of thing we're talking about when we're looking at um, bucket donations. <laughs> there is a distinction between entities that have a, a deductible gift recipient status and also those that don't. Uh, what are the things that taxpayers or the members of our audience that are, that are planning their return now uh, look out for in relation to DGR status? Yeah, that's exactly right, Tom. So one thing is it's you've got to check whether they're um, a DGR um, and you can do that by jumping on ABN Lookup and putting the charity in. The other thing you need to be wary of as well is that the donation that you make, you can't receive anything for it, okay? So the money that you give out, it's got to be for a pure pure donation purpose. It's not like you get a tea towel, a pen, some stickers or something. If there's any, any product received in return, it's then not deductible. Even if you do pay, you know, 10 or $20 for that lost dog's home or guide dog pen, that's still not deductible if you receive product for it. So it do, does have to be for an altruistic purpose. Where some of okay, my... Okay, so if, are, I, if I get the stuffed bear um, for the diabetes charity or... Um, a cancer charity, I can't then turn around and say, oh, I, I spent $20 on that bear that I give to a, a member of the family. That amount, that $20 amount cannot be claimed? Is, that's correct. Have I understood correctly? Yes, that's correct. Even if you've if you've paid $20 for an overpriced stuffed bear and you feel like the bear's probably worth 5 and you've given $15 to the charity, you still can't do it that way. It's the whole amount. Okay, so in in relation to DGR, it's got to be the do, it's got to be the dollar amount rather than uh, the the novelty you've bought uh, just to demonstrate that you've bought something from the charity on a Friday, as you well in the old days when I was travelling into work, used to pick pick stuff up in the city um, at Parliament Station. Your big then, issue, so, for example, you buy the big issue, even though it's going to the to the Worsley Mission, because you've physically got something for it. That's not a deductible donation. Okay. One is there... sorry. One one area which I think is interesting as well is when a charity puts on some sort of competition, whether it's the forty hour famine or I think there's like a there's some sort of hundred kilometer walk or something like that if you pay money to enter that competition you are receiving something for, for it like a fun run or anything like that you can't claim that as a donation however if the purpose is for you to get people to sponsor you those people that sponsor you can claim it as a deduction because they're getting nothing for it okay uh, we, we, so you the entry made by a bike rider, for example, uh, doing a bike ride of some kind of length uh, is not deductible. But if I sponsor said bike rider and give them $20 for the, the bike ride, I can claim the 20 bucks. Providing the charity is a deductible gift recipient, correct. See, it's quite complex, isn't it? And people just think, oh, yes, I'm just giving money. I can take a deduction. But there's a lot involved in this area. 
and you know, that's one of the things that troubles me about the lack of understanding about the tax law. <laughs> because when we go back and, and sort of recap what we've literally literally said at the start, you know, any expense that you claim must be related to income that you earn. Mm-hmm. That can be that can sometimes be misunderstood by people. For example, um, laundry. Uh, mm, what, one. Yes. Can can dry can dry cleaning expenses be deductible? I haven't had I haven't had dry cleaning uh, expenses deductible for a very long time. Why? Because even when I was working in in an organisation, the clothes when I wore were not clothes that were required as a uniform. Correct. They weren't branded. Um, I wore my own sort of uh, reefer jacket, slacks, shirt. Uh, there was nothing that there was nothing. There was nothing that, that the off, sorry. There, there was nothing. That's all right. Uh, we as, uh, as as the listeners would know, we are physically distanced but socially connected. It's all good. Oh, she's got a bit damp tonight, hasn't it? Um, yeah, so the, exactly with, with, with laundry or dry cleaning, you've picked up another nuance of our tax system, Tom, where it can't be <laughs> normal clothing that you just wear down the street. Uh, it can be a costume. Uh, you're allowed to dry clean a costume if you're a, um artist. Um, just thinking about the other podcast you did with Bob, I think it's a, it's a good thing to, to look after our artist community now, so I'll use them as a reference. Um, and... If it's a polo shirt that's got a logo on it, it doesn't automatically mean that you can claim dry cleaning or laundry on it. Why would you get a polo shirt um, dry cleaned? Anyway, laundry for it. Um, Because it's got to be compulsory. So a lot of times when I've got clients that have, yeah, I have to to wear a a logoed polo shirt, Lisa, and I go, can I have a look at your employment contract to see if it's actually stated in there that it's a compulsory uniform. So it has to be compulsory. If it's not compulsory, it's got to be on a register. And what a lot of the schools have done, actually, a lot of the government schools have done uh, and independent schools have done, is they have registered their logo and their their um, teachers' um, pants and vests and shirts and things like that on this register. And if it's on that register, you can then claim dry cleaning and laundry on that. So even just with that sort of um, aspect of t- tax deductibility, it's, there's a lot involved with every single deduction that you may be able to claim on your tax return. There's another one that's a classic that I've you know, thought about a lot uh, over the years, and and that is subscriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, not every subscription somebody has is immediately relevant to the income they earn. Uh, I might work in an accounting body, for example, or in an accounting firm or whatever, but if I subscribe to a guitar magazine, that's got nothing to do with the income I earn. Therefore, that's not deductible. Correct, Tom. And I think that's probably a cut and dried one because unless you're uh, doing some sort of musical... Um, introduction to anything that you're doing for uh, the, uh, the the body that you're working for, uh, it can't deduct that. But there's the ones that are a little bit more obscure, like if you're a school teacher and you buy one of the newspapers, is that deductible or not? Like, does it actually fit in with how they're earning their accessible income or not? 
And what what have you determined over the period of time that the right answer or the or a, or a plausible answer may be? Yeah, well, it's 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 getting greyer and greyer, if I can call that, because print media is going. So, if you know, twenty years ago, if someone said, oh, you know, I've been buying, you know, a, a, a newspaper, reputable newspaper. Uh, and I've been using it in class and I've been keeping my primary school students up to date with current affairs. Like 20 years ago, you'd go, well, yeah, that sounds okay. But now with uh, everything available online and everything like that, um, and the teaching, especially now in COVID world, everything's online on, on Zoom and things like that. Uh, probably a lot of that content is now available for free or by other sort of subscriptions online. Uh, so I would say that it's probably getting less and less likely. Yeah, there's something else that we um, perhaps ought to cover just briefly for people listening. Uh, we both know that there are times when the ATO is asked to consider by a, a ruling uh, whether a particular individual's uh, expenses are deductible. Under what circumstances can people seek a ruling on issues? Uh, pretty much anything that's asking for a clarification of the tax law, Tom. So if we look at expenses that are specific to occupations, the ATI have already listed a number of occupations where you're permitted certain deductions, um, airline um, attendants, lawyers, doctors, those sort of things. However, if you think that you've got a case where you go, well, this could be a little bit um, questionable and I want some sort of assurance, you can apply for a, a private ruling by the commissioner and that's quite fine. One thing you need to be aware of which is quite interesting with the way that the private ruling system is administered, is that you de you basically declare your fact pattern and your background and this is what it is and you ask the commissioner how they would treat it. Now, if the commissioner says, yes, you can take the deduction for it, the commissioner is, is bound by you allowing that deduction. However, if you change the fact pattern slightly, then no one's bound by it, okay? So what you may find is it's always good sometimes getting a private ruling on a negative because you could say, well, you know, under these circumstances, will I get a deduction? The commissioner says no. So you can then modify the fact pattern to maybe work a little bit better for you. Yeah, there's one that I remember uh, writing about some years ago now with... with uh, things like um, lip balm mm -hmm. and, and and sunscreen. Yeah. Uh, for example, a security guard might be required to stay outside and for them sunscreen is essential. But if you're an office worker Correct. and you're inside most of the time, it's unlikely that you would be able to claim uh, sunscreen because your work doesn't require you to be outside exposed to the elements. 
That's correct. So it, it is. So, uh, you know, if you're a security guard and you're on night shift, probably not sunscreen, but you're a security guard uh, paroling the perimeter on a day shift, you can claim your sunglasses and your sunscreen and um, your sun hat and all those sort of things as well. And um, probably a nice pair of comfortable shoes that are safety related. Anything safety related, uh, that's pretty much a no-brainer that that will definitely be allowable deduction. Um, you know, if we look, look at the security guard aspect as well, if you've then um, got a dog that's a security guard, probably a German Shepherd had cut it, but probably a poodle wouldn't. So um, you've got to put some sort of, um, you know, how I love my poodles, Tom. You were not surprised by that, but me being a dog lover. Um, yeah, so you've got to look at that. I think there was there was something that came out one tax year a couple of years ago about how someone was trying to claim their, 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 their guard poodle. And yeah, probably wasn't going to cut it. Oh, but some years ago, there was a famous case. It was probably the first time I started dealing with accounting where uh, there was um, a, someone involved in law enforcement who had a dog, and there was an issue about dog food hmm. um, and, and, and similar. And, I mean, they, most people don't even enter into that space because their pets are pets, they're parts of the family. They're, they're not, you know, parts of the employment, if you like. So mm. it gets particularly interesting when you start traversing that complexity. Now, it's important that we, at this point, we actually say to people, it's critical that if you've got any doubts about what you're putting down as an expense that's related to the income you receive, that you seek independent advice. Correct. Uh, because it, you need to be able to work through with somebody whether or not it is likely that a deduction you seek to claim is allowable, and it's not always easy. Oh, exactly, Tom. And I think it's not only it's not only important to seek advice, but it's also you've got to realise the relationship you have with that advice seeker, being ourselves, tax agents and accountants, that we don't audit your tax return. We take on face value what you say in your tax return and we make you sign a declaration saying, yes, I understand the tax return. I've got receipts or I can substantiate all the deductions made. Yep, I agree with how Lisa's prepared. This is true and correct, right? And that's what you're signing off. So if someone says to me, here's my list of, you know, five donations. I've got receipts for them all, Lisa. I'm not going to second guess them but it's your responsibility to make sure you have got those receipts you keep them for five years from when you lodge your tax return um, because if the ATO come and audit they'll come and audit you they'll it'll be then against my number as well and a lot of times the ATO have said well we've audited people um, and they've been prepared by a tax agent and we've had to adjust the tax return it's not because we've taken the deduction um, incorrectly. It's more likely than not that you, the taxpayer, haven't kept the substantiation because I don't keep the substantiation from my clients. I rely on them to keep it unless it's in a digital form and it's in their digital file. So it's really important that taxpayers understand their responsibilities even though they get a tax agent to do it yes we can make sure you get all the deductions you deserve but you still have the responsibility to keep all your files in place for five years Lisa it's probably a good good time to, to wrap up this 
episode of the podcast, just to remind people of several essential things that we've covered. Firstly, any claim for expenses must be related to income you receive, irrespective of whether it's uh, income from your employment or income received through investment or other other things. If you get money through the door, um, anything you claim must relate to the money you get through the door. Secondly, it's probably a good idea when you have doubts about a particular thing you want to claim to go and seek appropriate professional advice so that you don't get yourself into strife with the tax office. Anything I've missed? Sounds good, Tom. Couldn't have said it better myself. It shows that you have spent a lot of time speaking with my peers about such matters because, and I can't believe you don't do your own tax return. This is it, ladies and gentlemen. Tommy Ravlick actually gets someone else to do his tax return for him as well. That's how risk adverse he is. Well, I uh, let me. I'll, I'll absolutely. Uh, I'll explain that very briefly. <laughs> I I do that. I do that for a reason, and that is there will be things that I don't pick up uh, in my thinking or. Uh, I may I may have a an item that I need to check with somebody. So I am risk averse. I've dealt with the accounting profession for twenty six years and counting. Uh, worked in professional bodies and in the academic sector, but I'm not going to risk uh, doing something wrong in a tax sense. I need the reassurance that I've done the right thing. And the cobbler's children have no shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and Lisa Gregg, thank you so much for being a part of episode three of the weekly tax update. Absolutely delighted, Tom. See you next week. Cheers. And cheers to everyone listening. Stay safe and look after each other.